you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here. Move the Sticks as we inch closer to the 2019 NFL Draft. Buck, what's going on, man? Not too much, man. Getting closer. You're talking about a couple weekends away from uh, finally seeing what's going to happen. Uh, with this draft and I think it's just really really interesting the closer that we get that I have to kind of just turn off the phone I know I can't call my guys I know yeah. I'm getting a bunch of bad information oh yeah and I'm gonna look silly so uh, I make phone calls but I know not to take it uh, seriously because they're just trying to float balloons <laughs> that's it it's unfortunate that time of year that time of year uh, we've got uh, a ton of ground to cover today we're gonna talk a little bit about Josh Rosen uh, who's reporting to the off-season program for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Ian Rapport said he was first one in the building. Uh, what does that mean going forward? Look into that. We're going to look at the uh, first-round quarterbacks from last year. Look at those teams, Browns, Jets, Bills, Cardinals, Ravens, and what they could potentially do to help those guys or help build up that team uh, this year. And we're going to look at uh, maybe a free agent running back we could find that we think could be this year's Philip Lindsay, as well as an interview with one of uh, one of my favorite players in the draft. I know you enjoy watching him as well, Jonathan Abram there from Mississippi State, Buck. Yeah, Jonathan Abram, man, he's a little salty in the makeup room today. He, challenged, he was challenging everybody. Really? He had, I love he had that. things to say. He, he wanted to know about um, who was more important, rushers or cover guys. Then I told him, rushers. Yeah, he, he didn't like, like that. I believe in today's game, cover guys. I said, that's great. Yeah. But – no, we don't <laughs> like, <laughs> like you have to be able to get to the quarterback and and those things. And then um, what does he say? He, he, he's arguing he's fun, man. Else. Yeah, he's a lot of energy, uh, man. You can tell he is a hitting dude because when you see him up close oh, yeah. and personal, he is a thick dude, neck thick, everything. And so uh, just interesting conversation. Yeah, one of uh, one of the fun players to study in this year's draft. So got a chance to visit with him. We'll roll that interview a little bit later on in the show. Before we get to the stuff that I just mentioned, though, Buck, I, I do want to bounce uh, this thought off of you because I think this whole draft kind of hinges on, uh, A, what happens with Josh Rosen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we've kind of got three points to me in this draft. Josh Rosen, does he get traded? Does, you know, does he get traded? That is going to answer the second one, which is does Kyler Murray go number one? That'll That'll mm-hmm. put that to bed. And then to me, the next kind of pressure point of this draft is the Giants. And what do they do? Do they take a quarterback? Do they do they wait, take a quarterback at 17? Do they take one at six? Do they not take one at all? That to me is uh, is kind of an interesting layer to this draft. And we talked about it on Path to Draft last week. Everything that's been out there saying defensive player at six, wait for the quarterback at 17. And look, I've I've said the same thing because that's what you hear. And then as you kind of get time over the weekend and you look at things, Buck, and I'm looking at it, I'm going, okay, the difference between pick six and pick 17, this is not Significant. like – yeah, but, but it's not like you're picking two and 32. Like, to me, if you are going to take a quarterback, take if you him. think he's good enough at 17 – Just take him. You take him – you always take him at six. Just take him. Why take would him. you leave that in the hands of somebody else Just that, take that you don't get – and it can be too rich. How many times have we said it's too rich with these quarterbacks going to the top ten? But if you're going to take him at 17, in my opinion, you should take him at six. And the other side of it is, if I'm the Giants, it would behoove you to get it out there 
that you are not going to take one at six. You're going to take one at 17 because then nobody leapfrogs you at six to take, to the, take the quarterback. Yeah. I'm, Am I crazy? But, I mean, I'm just looking at this going, no, they're going to take a quarterback, they're taking him at you, six. You're not crazy. And we've talked about this. I, I feel like, like, and this is the thing when we, we do so many draft shows and episodes, it kind of runs together, but we talked about this. If And I'll just use Daniel Jones as the example. If Daniel Jones is your guy, then go and get your guy. And you can't worry about what the outside public says, what yep. everyone on – if you believe that he is a guy that can start and be your franchise quarterback, make the move. And you got to be willing to stand in it. You know what you don't want to do? Here, you don't want to you don't want to pass at six, and then all of a sudden, you couples maybe a quarterback or two start to go, and now you're having to trade draft picks to go from 17 to come back up to take the quarterback. You well, have to pass, and those players can help you. And also, and we we we've done this. We talked about it, be it in cluster buster or when we're in meeting rooms, and you look at what's the deeper pool. Yeah. If you look at what is the deeper pool between the quarterbacks and the pass rushers, we would say, okay, there there are enough pass rushers where at 17. You probably can get a guy that is maybe he's not an A, but maybe he's a B plus. Yeah, you're and so get Farrell or you're going to get Burns or something. Right, like so so you get that. So then what you do is what we've done in terms of like, hey, I can get bucket A, which is maybe I get Daniel Jones and Brian Burns or whatever, or I can get bucket B, which is Rashawn Gary and maybe you might miss out on all four. I don't know, yeah. and so it is better to just say, look. This is a guy that we want. We're going to get him, and I'm going to love him. I'm not a big fan of, like, some people like to trade and get cute or whatever. I want to get the guy that I want mm -hmm. because I want him. I think he's going to help us, and I have a grade that matches what we expect he will be for us. So I'm going to do it, and I'm not going to worry about it. Like, I'm not going to worry about what everyone on the outside says because it really doesn't matter as long as it works for us. Absolutely. So, anyway, that, that was uh, – I wanted to get that. So, so, so now it's funny that you said that about the smoke screen and just wondering if they're putting that out there because I believe there's another smoke screen that takes place, and this will kind of go with Josh Rosen reporting to Cardinals all season. And uh, according to the Twitterverse, he was the first one first in the First one in, yeah. So how about this? How about the reason why we haven't heard Josh Rosen say anything? Because he hasn't said anything throughout this entire process yeah. that he's supposedly being shopped or they're flirting with Kyler Murray. Maybe the Cardinals and Josh Rosen are in on the deal. Maybe they told Josh, hey, Josh, here's what we're doing. We're going to float and see if we can get out of this number one pick, see if we can pick up some extra picks and do some other stuff. And maybe they're trying to entice a team like the Raiders to move up to number one because maybe their coach has fallen in love with Kyler Murray. Because when you start to really think about this, some of the, the only reason we're really saying Kyler Murray goes to the Cardinals it's just a Cliff Kingsbury comment from October. Mm -hmm. There's no real tangible evidence that says that the Cardinals are uh, not believing. They're ready to part ways with Josh Rosen. There was nothing that came out of it. Well, I, 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 would, I, would, I would add to that. Steve Keim was asked point blank, is Josh Rosen your quarterback? And he, he said did. he is right now. Yeah, but see, I also wonder, is that him playing coy? Is that him being whatever? Because, man. Most people, though, and I, this is my argument to that, is there's nothing more fragile than a young quarterback. And even if you tell him that, to not just be 100% committed to him and, and not even, like, we're not even going to play games. We're not messing around. We're not doing it. He is our guy going forward. He is going to be the pillar of our franchise. We're going to build around him. I think the ego of and the, the – um, you just got to be careful around a young quarterback, man. That's the a only, fragile the, situation. I didn't it, play it, well last year. You know, it, it is fragile. But then if you, if you don't kind of like – paint the picture that like hey we're going to get someone that may be highly desired 
then there's no opportunity for you to kind of auction off that number one pick. And I know, like, look, what they do in the media doesn't really matter. Like, it's the back channel phone calls that you have with executives or whatever. But you would like to think that if I'm going to kind of build it up so I can kind of bait somebody into coming up, that I have to use Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen as the bait. You know? Um, See, I don't think anybody's coming up for Kyler Murray. I don't think so. – I mean, I don't – like. I don't. I, I don't think – to me, I almost think – more likely the case is since they started doing their homework on Nick Bosa. and kind of, To me, I almost thought it was, hey, let me go to the 49ers, make them think there's at least a chance we could take Bosa, and maybe I get the 49ers to flip with us and we get something. Maybe they give us a third or a fourth-round pick just so they guarantee they get Bosa. We get Kyler Murray at two and a little sugar. Maybe. I mean, it's, it's a lot. The thing about it, the thing about it all, to take quarterbacks in back-to-back years, uh, it has been done Sam in Bradford. a way. They gave Sam Bradford a bunch of money and then took Josh Rosen and then potentially turn around and take another quarterback. I, I mean, mean, that's a lot at one position. But the other side of it is, Buck, you, this is – and we know, it, we know it's true. If you look at that from an ownership standpoint, let's put yourself – we always put ourselves in the coach's position or in the general manager's mm-hmm. position. Let's put ourselves in the owner's position. You are – you're irrelevant. Your team is irrelevant in a division with the Rams, the high-flying Rams, the 49ers with the quarterback gets healthy, the Seahawks, who are always good, are going to be a playoff team. You are irrelevant. What Kyler Murray does is that is buzz and that is relevancy, and you're something to, there's something to see. You're going to put butts in the seats. Now, that's not ideally the way you go about building a football team, but that uh, does factor in. I guarantee you that factors in. It does factor in. It, it does factor into the equation, but – Okay, and, and I know you, you're on record, and I, I think we kind of talked about it because I've kind of gone back and forth uh, on the Kyler Murray, like, hey, coach, if that's your quarterback, then go get yeah. the quarterback. However, it goes against everything that I believe in when it comes to team building. Like, no it's question. only for the fact of trying to see what they could do. It goes against everything. If I'm sitting there at number one, and I do believe Kyler Murray is a, a player who has transcendent potential. However – There's risk. Yeah, however – if I have an opportunity to really do this thing the right way where I got my young quarterback, I legitimately can go at one, get a dominant pass rusher, yep. inside or outside, like Bolsa, Williams, whoever you deem to be the number one guy. I could come back at 33 and take the best player available. And it may be another defensive stud, or I could get a stud wide receiver to go opposite Christian yeah. Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald. Literally – Two days of the draft, I can walk away and kind of change the plight of the franchise if I get the right guys. And so, so let, let, let's put it side by side. And this is part of our discussion here because we're going to go through the Arizona Cardinals, our team that picked a quarterback last year. What should they do in this year's draft? And we'll go through uh, the Jets, Bills, Ravens, and Browns after we finish up the Cardinals. But let's do – this is the exercise we always do, Buck. Let's put them side by side, okay? So you've got plan one, okay? Plan one, which is a plan we both would be on board with, is take Bosa, right? Yeah. So you take Bosa, you keep the quarterback in Rosen. So you've got Bosa, Rosen, and then you've got your pick at the top of the second, right? Let's say at that point in time they take Debo Samuel, somebody that can help your offense, okay? So that's what they do there. That's plan one. Plan two is the Kyler Murray plan. So you take Kyler Murray, you, you scratch Rosen off, he's gone, you scratch Bosa off, he's gone. And now you get to the top of the second round and you end up, say, let's say we take Murray, we need a pass rusher. Um, maybe it's like an L.J. Collier, 
you know, or, or Jalen Ferguson, one of those probably, right? So let's just put Collier in there. But then you also will get, let's say they end up getting another two um, from the Redskins as part of the Rosen trade. So we got to add one more player in there, another second-round player. So they've got Murray. They've got Collier. So in this one, we want to try and find them a receiver. Is that what you're thinking, middle of second round? Yeah. Um, we want to do uh, – we can go uh, – I don't know if A.J. Brown will be there, but we want to throw A.J. Brown in there as somebody or – Yeah, uh, Brown's probably gone by then. Nikhil Harry's probably okay. – you want to do Nikhil Harry and go yeah, local? Let's, go. let's keep him local. Okay, so that's the three plans. You've got uh, Bosa, Rosen, Debo Samuel, or Kyler Murray – L.J. Collier and Nikhil Harry. See, I don't like I don't like playing two because I'm not a huge fan of L.J. Collier. Well, who, who you want to put in there? You can put Ferguson in there. Whoever a second one. round. I'm either, either to find one. A I just don't like. I don't, it doesn't matter. It does, yeah, yeah. I don't like the way it looks right now. <laughs> I just don't like the way it looks. <laughs> I just don't like the way it looks yeah, right now. Yeah. I don't. I don't like the way that it comes off. I don't like the way. Um, well, if we graded him right, so Bosa to me is an A level player. I think Rosen, surrounded by the right talent, can be an A level player. And I think Debo Samuel's a B plus player, right? Now we'll say Murray; he has a potential. We can make him an A player. But now you start getting into two you know, Bs. Two Bs. Yeah, the GPA is better the yeah. other way. Your GPA is better with GPA is higher. Playing yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. So I mean, I'm like with you. you do it, and also, um, the the thing about it for me, and it it it's hard because like what happens is like you have the the vision of Josh Rosen playing behind a bad team in mind. And, like, no matter how much we say, hey, he played behind a bad team, the visual is you still see number three yeah. throwing passes, struggling, or whatever. And no matter what we talk about up front, like, your eyes are on number three. And so I think that is kind of dampen the optimism about his ability to bounce back. Mm-hmm. However, I think we should look at – and it depends on if you have confidence in the coach. You have confidence that Kingsbury can kind of figure it out on the run and get it right. But, I mean, we saw Jerry Goff suffer through the same thing. Like, not really look like a pro struggle, but then they surrounded him the second year, better coaching, better weapons on the outside. And it worked out. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, uh, they brought in two tight ends. They had tight ends to come in and do it. So, if you believe that Rosen is the guy, you take both of one, but then you got to go all in on making sure that you get the offense right. Because you have to make sure that he plays. He has the sophomore jump. He doesn't look like the same guy that we saw at the end of last season. One of the interesting things that will be a challenge to me for Murray, uh, and I look, I all the way through, uh, I think once once he mm-hmm. declared for f- football, Kyler Murray's been my top quarterback. He's going to roll as my top quarterback. But I, I do want to caution a little bit against the expectation because um, you've heard Mahomes come out of the same offense. And even though he's much smaller than Mahomes, he has a lot of similar skills to Pat Mahomes. I've, I've said that. There's like, a lot of similarity there. Yes. Now, the thing I would caution um, when you look at it, okay, let's look at the things Mahomes has in place in Kansas City. Let's start, let's start with Andy Reid, the best play caller in the NFL. Great play caller, great quarterback developer. Cliff Kingsbury's smart guy. He's not Andy Reid. No. Um, let's look at the mentor in place with Alex Smith, one of the finest human beings Great guy. No pressure to play on the field right away. Got a chance to learn. Did they have that in Arizona? No. Has to play how right about, away. How about one of the best offensive lines in the NFL? Did they Off, have that in Arizona? Off, no. They don't have any of those things. How about the how about the premier, a premier tight end in the NFL? Do they have that? Oh, you don't like Ricky Jones too? How about Ricky the Jones? how about the most explosive wide receiver in the NFL? Do they have that? No, they don't have they the don't one have one thing any they have is a running back. 
They got a good running back in David Johnson. And how many swing passes can you throw to David Johnson? Can we get him a hundred? But, but I, what I'm just you, you know you know I'm going. I'm just saying like look, I think Kyler Murray's dynamic. He can do a lot of Pat Mahomes things. But man, that is not that situation that Rosen couldn't be successful in is going to be difficult for Kyler Murray to walk into and be successful. It's going to be very difficult for him. It's going to be hard for him to kind of figure it out and do it. And we've seen that it takes like the second year before those guys settle in. Even Carson Wentz, as great as he played his rookie season, he wasn't more comfortable until second year when they surround him with veteran players. And that's the other thing, too. Like for the Cardinals, I would say maybe they've gone about it the wrong way. If you're going to upgrade – uh, and elevate your quarterback, you get him veteran pass catchers. Yeah, he's got yeah. one vet. He has Larry Fitzgerald, but you go and get another guy, another pro that knows how to play the game so he can depend on that guy, he can trust, everything is on point. When you break into the, a rookie, it's just harder. All right, let's let's move on to the Jets now. Uh, Sam Darnold last year, going into his second year, you got the third pick. Um, to me, there's really two options here. I, I believe that, that Kyler Murray's gone, Bosa's gone. That, those would be the two first two picks. So that to me at three, I know you can say, okay, well they, you know, need an edge rusher bad. I just think Quinn and Williams is a better football player um, than than what you would get with Josh Allen. So to me, I would go Quinn and Williams. And I think sometimes you say, okay, well this Jets team, you know, wasn't that long ago they had Wilkerson and Sheldon Richardson. Then they came back um, with uh, uh, big man from USC, uh, Leonard, Williams. Leonard Williams. So man, I know they've moved on for those first two guys, but if they just Keep going to back to the well. I would say, okay, well, that's what they said about the Detroit Lions when they when they took Megatron after they'd taken those oh, other receivers else? weren't any good. Yes. So you got to grade the individual player, and I just think, man, you put Quinnen Williams next to Leonard Williams. Um, so because I'm looking be fun to watch. So I, the other option to me is trade out, is get out of there. Yeah. So I, I'm just I'm just popping in the, the depth chart. Man, they they really don't have much. No. Like DJ, you talk about it. So Henry Anderson's a good player. Not a great player, good player. I, mean, I think he had seven sacks last year. I but mean, between him and Leonard Williams, now you put a, another one in there. He, you don't have an edge yet. Henry Anderson's not going to stop me. No, 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 no. So I'm looking not, at no, no. Leonard Williams, Steve McClendon, Henry Anderson. Then you have Copeland, CJ. I, I, I like Mosley and, and Avery Williamson. I think those. Are I like the, two they, really they need someone off the edge. Yeah. Um, I guess it kind of comes down to like grading the player, and which one do you really, really like? Look, I like Henry Anderson for fourth year. He's kind of come on. He's done his thing. He's kind of versatile. However, do you believe he's going to be a guy that is disruptive like Hugh Williams? I can play Hugh Williams on the nose, too. I can put him in there. I mean, so many things. I mean, now you talk about being, like, really stout and rugged. Against a Patriots a team that likes to run the football. And to think about, they still can come back with the 39th pick. They don't have – I don't think they have a – Do they have they a, ha- I don't they don't have have a second-round pick? They, I think they trade. Oh. I don't think they, – they need picks. That's why I was saying trading down. And, Buck, they don't really have a center on their roster. That, to me, is why – I mean, Jonathan Harrison can play there, but he's not great. To me, it would make sense if they were a team that maybe even do a double trade down, right? Trade down from three to six or something like that. Then you go from six to, to 12 or 13, and you just take Bradbury in the, and pick up a boatload of picks. That would make some sense there, too. Um, but inside this division, think about this. I was thinking about this the other day. You look at themes inside a division. Who were the edge rushers in the AFC East, Buck? None. None. Zero. That's why like Jerry Hughes. Um, you know, like Michael Bennett kicking inside outside. There are no no edge rushers in the whole division. None. No. And you're right. Uh, they don't have a second round pick. They have two threes. They have their yeah. pick and the New Orleans Saints pick. Yeah. Um, for so trade Zay down Goodwork. makes sense. If they can find a partner, I don't think they're gonna find a partner. I don't think they're gonna find a partner. But then, man, you still like this roster. You look at it. They need blue players. Yeah. I mean, DJ, they, 
Well, I mean, I, I, I think they feel, they feel good about C.J. Mosley. Leonard Williams, C.J. Mosley, Jamal Adams. I feel like they've got a blue chipper at every level of the defense. And That's a good place to start. On offense, they have Lev Bell. You've got Lev Bell. I, I know, you know me. I'm a big Donald Homer, so I, I think he's going to be good. And I like Herndon. I think Herndon's a good young tight end. Um, yeah, but they, I mean, they need another. They got a bunch of twos and threes as receivers. So they got they got upper. They have a lot of work yeah. to get done. But um, it depends. You 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 talked about Quinn Williams being a dominant player on the inside. I'll make the case for Josh Allen being outside. They don't have a proven pass rusher. Brandon no. Copeland, Jordan Jenkins. Neither one of those guys are consistent in terms of getting to the quarterback. Um, Josh Allen. Yep. The way that Greg Allen wants to play. Greg Williams. Defense, Greg Williams wants to play defense. They want to bring pressure. They want to heat them up. They want to do things. He would appear to be a guy that can make some things happen. We saw the bump that Miles Garrett had under Greg Williams this season in his second year. Uh, maybe he can take a guy like Josh Allen and create some one-on-one opportunities for him to win. But you are right. If you grade the player, I would prefer to have the inside player, Keith yeah. Williams, over Allen. Um, I think it's a mix of how much do they value team need over, you know, like the talent of the player. All right, let's get to the Buffalo Bills at pick number nine. Um, I have heard from a ton of different people uh, Jonah Williams is is somebody to watch there. That, that makes sense. Doing something to help your young quarterback. Now, I would advocate for a different position, a different player. You know where I'm going. Who's, who's like my favorite dude in the whole draft? I, I don't know. Who's your favorite dude? Hawkinson? Hawkinson. You can advocate for Hawkinson? Well, here's my thing. The only person in that building that would like Hawkinson – more than the quarterback would be the running back. You can make your quarterback and your running back both happy with that pick because he's going to impact both. Um, he can help you in the pass game. As a as a young quarterback, a tight end is as friendly as it gets. Um, and, and be able to – he can generate space. He can get open. He's a good route runner. He catches everything. So he's a nice outlet for a young quarterback. They can. I love having a young quarterback and a young tight end grow up together. Think of Phillip Rivers and Antonio Gates. Watch them kind of blow up and, and – uh, and grow together. I, I think the same thing here. You get Hawkinson with Josh Allen, they can grow together, and he can help you big time in the run game. What he so, can do. So, once again, we'll, we'll do this in clusters. We'll do plan A and plan B. So, I'm not surprised that Jonah Williams would be a, mm-hmm. a guy that could pick because, remember, Brian Dayball was at Alabama. Knows, knows him well. Knows him well. They want their kind of guys in the building, guys that kind of fit the culture. Of high floor, in. high floor. You know, you know what you're buying. You know exactly what you're getting. Um, I think uh, the big thing would be Jonah Williams and what tight end could I get in the second round uh, when they pick. They have two twos, I think. Um, we got to get that thing that shows all their picks are. Uh, I'm trying to put that up. I, I know that you have a second-round pick. It would be interesting um, to see if they can come back and which tight end could they pick up yeah. in 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 that situation, or do can they get a tight end later on? They need a pass catcher. Uh, it'd be interesting to see where Irv Smith goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, is Irv Smith still on? The, okay, so they pick forty. Mm-hmm. That's the eighth pick of the second round. Irv Smith going by then? No, I think he could be there. So if they gamble, they get the tackle. It it just kind of depends on. Do you believe a higher-rated tackle is going to be available in the second round, or will a higher-rated tight end be available? No, the tackles are going to be gone. You know, so yeah. if that's the case, then take the tackle now and come back and get the tight end. See, I, and I would make a case, okay, I forego. They need help across the line. So I would take an – I think you can still get an interior, a good interior starter on the offense. Oh, for, you absolutely can yeah. get an interior yeah. player. Yeah. Like you can get an interior player. A tight player. end and, a, and an interior player. And you still could probably get a starting caliber tackle third a round. Developmental guy. They pick. 
75th, 75th overall. Yeah. You probably still could get a, a tackle that may be able to come in there, like depending on how the draft cracks. But it's funny how you're prioritizing, like, hey, get the pass catcher in the middle. It is the easiest way to help a guy who has struggled with his accuracy. Mm-hmm. Man, shortest point. Right over the ball. Boop. Yeah. Sit it down. And with some of the stuff that they're doing, they could actually get into the RPO game to make the tight end a viable weapon, run some fake think, sweep think stuff, about do this. all the other what, stuff. What have we said about We've been very consistent saying what we would do uh, with the Buffalo Bills, build a track team, right? Oh. So they've done that. They go out and get John Brown. Uh, Robert Foster can fly. Uh, they've got speed now. So now that you've got some speed vertically, what does that do? It creates space in the middle of the field the for a tight end. It's a complementary offense you're building right there. Right, and if you're committed to grinding the ball out, which they should be committed now. And he's going to help you in the ground and pound game because he's so good he in the is. run game. I they, just think he's a perfect fit for that team. He is. They are old at running back now. They're over no Shady McCoy and Frank Gore. At some point, they got to get a young yeah, runner. Fine, you I would like one. I know. I like. I would like to pair him up with another young young runner back. Maybe in the fourth round, that's where you go. But this is a team that I think should run it and run it and run it. And then when they throw it, they throw it down the field. And so there's certainly uh, some validity to the plan that you talk about: getting a tight end, coming back and get an interior blocker, and then get another offensive tackle to kind of complete it. I, I, when I have a young quarterback, if I'm a decision maker, I'm building up my offense. I might give up some points. If we if we lose some games and we're scoring points and my quarterback's showing signs he's the guy, that we're right on track. To me, I mean, you can build well, up that defense and lose every week 13 to 10. Nobody's happy. You're losing games and you're not scoring points. The quarterback's well, not, com- not progressing. That's that's nah, lose, well, they've, lose. And, they've, and they've committed, like the last couple of years, if you really look at their defense, they played pretty decent defense last year for the most part. I know They played good defense. They've got yeah, good like, players. Tredavious White, like, Jermaine I mean, Edmonds, I'm, those I'm are look, good I'm young looking players. At, I'm looking at them. Trent Murphy came Jordan over. Jordan Poyer's played well. Harrison Poyer Phillips, they got. They got Starla Tulalele, Jerry Hughes, Matt Milano. I, I could get a better backer, but that's fine. I could play around it. They do need another Sam linebacker. Lorenzo Alexander is their guy. He's old. But yeah. in the secondary, they're solid in the secondary. So they can find someone. But you're right. They can go all in with their offense. They got those. You talk about the pass catchers, John Brown, Zay Jones, Cole Beasley coming over. You get a nice tight end. Yeah, because – Right now, their O line is. That's what I'm saying. Spencer Long. I don't know. I I think it's I go offense there. I know there's a lot of talk about them taking a defensive lineman, but um, I think it'll be either Jonah Williams or Hawkinson. That's my uh, that's my call. You know, they signed Jake Fish to be a tight end. I know, be a big blocking tight end. Now they got uh, actually a a tight end. Hawkinson actually plays the position. (laughs) Neat neat thing there. Um, How about Baltimore at 22? Buck, I'm gonna make this quick and painless. Hey, they're not picking at 22. They're not. They're out. They're out. Lamar Jackson want. cost him a second round pick. They don't have a second round pick. Eric DaCosta's first draft. Eric's going to want to move around a little bit. Why show people that he's smarter than everybody? Nah, he's going to move around. He's going to move around. And get some extra picks. But what? I, can't, I need players. I'll tell you right now. We want. We want to do Chick Fil A. <laughs> they pick at twenty two. Chick Fil A on me. Oh my god. Okay, so I'll, I'll make this. 22 two combos. So that we'll go two combo meals on that. Two combo meals. Okay, here, here, here's what I will say about your theory to take down, to move down. Everyone in the building will tell you that they need wide receivers. What a good thing about this. Do they, all those, do they think they do? do? Do they care about wide receivers? I mean, they have to have they have to have to some tight because you can't get free agents. I know you just Roger. Play, four tight ends, man. Put them <laughs> out there. Let's go. Come on, man. Are you for real? Ground and pound. You know what? One thing about them on the Ravens, I would keep an eye on, is uh, can I make one pick for them? Yes. 
Okay, let's go. Let's go. Uh, let's go fifth or sixth round. Fifth or sixth round, and I'm gonna t say Trace McSorley to to get move you him? a young a young to quarterback that can do everything. You can do can play the type of game that they want to play as a young backup because RG three not gonna be there forever. Trace McSorley to the Ravens. That's what we're doing. I'm doing that. That's that's what we're going with. You like that? I mean, you know the other one I was thinking of would be Nick Fitzgerald. Nick Fitzgerald ran a four six four. He can move. Okay, so McSorley I, ran a I happen, five seven. I happened to watch him that night. I think they beat Auburn, and he ran like a man. Oh yeah, he just runs it. He ran like a man. But I'm saying like Lamar. He's gonna get nicked up at some point in time running like this. Trace McSorley, Trace McSorley, if you if you can be okay with the size, I think it'd be fun. Oh, it'd be fun in the preseason. Just all those go, tight ends out there just running, pop just, pass. I mean, just go, just go all in. You just talking about going all in with just all save of this. It. Just remember to save this when they pick him in the fifth. See, or like, round. like here, here's what's not fair. Yeah, I believe you get insider trade. No, 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 there's no insider insider, information. Insider None. Trading. None. That's just that's that's, that's just gut. That's just gut. Um, Cleveland. No first-round pick. Got to give uh, – oh, shoot, they don't need to give Baker Mayfield any help. They got all the help he needed, uh, what they've done in the offseason. Pick 49 in the second round. I put down your guy, Taylor Rapp. Oh, look at you. That's what I got. Who'd you, who'd you throw down there? Zach Allen. Okay. Zach Allen, hard-nosed, tough guy to get rid of Emmanuel Agba. They need someone that can throw in the rotation. He's a solid guy, kind of strikes me as the right kind of guy, right temperament, is going to play hard, physical, rugged. I think in the second round, middle second round. That's man, their front, their, their front though on paper looks good, man. Because obviously we know what Miles Garrett, Larry Ogunjobi, if people don't know, is a really good player. Ogunjobi. Sheldon Richardson is a you know, he's a first round pick for a reason. Come on, dynamic and Olivier Vernon and Olivier. Like, come Vernon. on, come that's on, a, that's a come good on. Look, that's a good look. Like that's group. the thing. Like so, I've been messing around. Like, and I know we don't like to refer to the other podcast, but the around. The around NFL. The, around the NFL podcast, ATN. I've been messing with Mark Sessler because yeah. Mark Sessler has been the perpetual underdog forever talking yeah, yeah. about the Cleveland Browns. And I walk in, I'm like, hey, bud, a little different being a champ. Yeah, excuse me. A little different. Than you, you walk, you're walking in the building now. You got your, you should have your chest poked out. <laughs> He's like, oh, that makes me nervous. I was like. Embrace it. Embrace it. Because right now on paper, they are loaded compared to the other teams in the division. Yeah, they are the most talented. I think uh, Harbaugh came out and said that even, that the Browns are the most talented. Now, let's see how it all comes oh, well, together. You know, you know they like to but, you know, rough and rugged. The other thing I would keep an eye on with them is, uh, you know, if Jeffrey Simmons starts to slip a little bit, Dorsey's not going to be able to help himself. Oh, they can go, go get him. him. Go they can get go him. get him. Go get him. You can't, you can't have enough good players. No. He's, he is a fantastic player. Uh, all right, that was a fun little exercise. How about a running back? Give me a late-round running back oh, or a free agent. Uh, we I got one. Kind of be this year's Philip Lindsay. Who you got? I got one, man. I believe at running back production matters. You can go Miles Gaskin. Team. No, I'm not going Miles Gaskin. I'm actually going Benny Snell from Kentucky. Oh, okay. Benny opposite Snell. style of uh, of Philip. Lindsay. Yeah, I, I, opposite style, but a running back that I think is going to have success. Three 1,000 yard seasons. Mm -hmm. The guy had 38 touchdowns. He's tough. He's physical. He's a finisher. And in fact, the team that you're talking about, the Baltimore Ravens. To me, he is perfect in that system. Downhill, no frills, straight ahead, no nonsense, going to finish it. I think he'd be a terrific fit. Yeah, to me the challenge is with these guys that I like, I give higher grades to. So to say they're going to be late-round picks, normally what happens is you get a guy you like, the rest of the league doesn't like, <laughs> and then that ends up being your late-round pick. So trying to look through the guys I have in the lower levels, it's hard to pluck one of those guys from the pile. But I'm going to be a homer for a second, Buck, because mm -hmm. I do think 
I have Jalen Moore. I gave him what equates to like a third or fourth round grade. We we threw you, we threw you a bone the other day. Oh, did you? We threw you a bone the other day on path to the draft. He's a good player, man. MJD broke him down. Did he? Broke him down. Jalen Moore. Yeah, we talked. We talked about him. Uh, he, talked about people him. People kind of forget about him because he got hurt and uh, wasn't able to participate in the Senior Bowl or the Combine. Um, but he is a he's a good player, man. Balance, toughness can make you miss. Uh, I still think he probably goes. I, I was just putting this little board together where I, not just where I have guys, but where I think they'll end up going. And I had him, uh, I had him fourth round. I, I think he got a chance to go in that range. I mean, solid size, athleticism, mm-hmm. lot to like. Uh, really good against Penn State, but that's kind of my uh, my guess there. All right, you want to get to this interview with uh, Jonathan Abram? Yeah, let's throw it to him. All right, here's my chat with Mississippi State safety, one of my favorites in the draft, Jonathan Abram. I couldn't be more excited to be joined by, I mean, look, there's a lot of players I enjoy watching tape in this draft, but there's none I enjoy watching more than this one right here. Jonathan Abram from Mississippi State. What's going on, John? How you doing, bud? I'm pretty good. How about yourself? I know you can be honest. You you were a little bit disappointed that I I, I am I am today. Be honest. Just so the world knows, I'm a little disappointed that my favorite analyst didn't come see me yeah. today. There, there. But look, I made time. I mean, I just had to. I just had hey. to take my daughter to her soccer game. So we're gonna do ours. I can our definitely. Thing. I, can un- I can relate. Daughter, so I can relate. See, we to got that the fam- one. We do the family thing. I can relate. For to those, that one. we gotta tell the story because I've I've never told. I don't think I've told this story on the, on the show mm-hmm. before, but. Uh, you got my phone number, and then we ended up talking. This is before. This is like right after the season, right? Yes. This is before even the Senior Bowl. Uh, but tell everybody how that came about, it, and then uh, what that conversation was all about. Um, you know, just shout out to Amanda at NFL Network. But uh, she kind of she linked <laughs> me and you, and uh, just talking. You know, we were just you know talking about the you know the football side, and then we ended up getting to the family side. And you know, we both have you know younger kids, so it was interesting. Yeah, we hit it off right away. Man. Oh, yeah. it, 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 you, true love guys story. Guys like you make me wish I was back in it. <laughs> What's up? It was a true love story. Yeah, it was a love story right yes. from the beginning. See, I bet you Amanda's smiling back there right now. She, she, made, she made the love connection. She was the, she was the Chuck Woolery. That's too old for you, a reference for you. But I sure do not me, know who thing. that is. Uh, <laughs> I do not know who that I, is. Let's go back. I want to ask you, <laughs> speaking of love connections, the first time you fell in love with football, when did you realize, like, okay, this is what I want to do? I was like eight years old. I was in second grade, and I got to watch, like, the peewee football practice. And I was just like, I really want to play football. But at the time I had watched, they were just like, you were too young. You got to wait. got to wait till like, 10 years old. So when they let me end up coming out, because I was bigger than everybody, I scored my – we won the championship, actually, my first year. We ran the quarterback bootleg unlimited amount of times. I scored nine times on it. Well, you were the quarterback, I yes. think. Yes. <laughs> All right, so then take me through high school. Take me through high school and uh, what kind of a high school player. I know you ended up going to Georgia before you went to Mississippi State, but uh, walk me through your high school career a little bit. What positions did you play? How would your teams do? Tell me about it. So high school, my ninth grade year, I was only the only freshman to play of all the juniors and seniors. Actually, only ninth or tenth grader. And we ended up going to the state championship. Had a Danny Does and running back, Xavier Grundle. He ended up going on to Mississippi State. So we got to state my freshman year. We ended up losing to Wes Bolivar. I was so devastated. So I actually played quarterback <laughs> and safety, but I only played safety my freshman year. Tenth grade year, I played quarterback okay. and safety. We ended up getting to South State. We ended up losing to Bassfield. You know, Jamal Peters. 
So, you know, that was my rivalry. Yeah. We played those guys every single year. So we ended up losing to them in South State, 17-14. to 14. They ended up scoring the last drive, like 10 seconds to go in the game. Heartbreaker. They drove the ball 75 yards. So it was it was Ooh. devastating. 11th grade year, played those guys again. They ended up beating us in South State again. My senior year, my junior year was an amazing year. I actually got the state record that year. Scored 63 touchdowns. Um, senior Ooh. year, lost in South State again. But four overtime. Got you guys three times. They they won it five four times in a row. Game. They won it five times in a row. Wow. Like the culture wow. there is, is deep. They have a really great yeah, coach. They don't mess around. They don't mess around there. Since Why Georgia? Why'd you go to Georgia? Coach Pruitt. It was that was simple. It was Coach Pruitt. You know, he showed me so much love and. I just felt like that if he was going to make sure that I was good while I was in Mississippi, he would look after me in Georgia, and he did. He was a really great really great guy, really great coach. You know, I can't say enough good things about him. And then uh, for those that haven't heard the story, I know you've told it a million times, but uh, what went into your decision to transfer? You go spend a year at the JC and then uh, end up in Mississippi State. Walk us through that journey. So ultimately, you know, I ended up getting rid of Coach Rick, you know, bringing in Kirby, got rid of Coach Pruitt, and, you know, me and him talked. He wanted me to come with him to Alabama. And like I said, I solely went to Georgia because of Coach Pruitt. So I just decided that it would be best for me to get out of there. I talked to Kirby. You know, he wanted me to go through the spring. You know, it was nothing bad, no bad blood. You know, they re-offered me when I got to junior college at Georgia. But I just felt like it was best for me to get out and start over. So I ended up going to junior college rather than going to Alabama and sitting out two years. Got to junior college. I basically got re-recruited. 42 scholarship offers. It ultimately uh, boiled down to LSU, Alabama. Mississippi State. And the funny thing about that is, like, no one from Mississippi State, no one knew I was coming there. Not even Coach Mullen. That's what's crazy. Really? No one. Like, everybody just had me dialed in to go to Alabama or LSU. But just talking so to Coach So tell Pru me, what, what did you commit? Did you, what'd you, what'd you pull out a dog or something? Like, what did you nah. do when you, when, you, when you committed? I ain't commit. That's the thing. Like, we had signing day at Jones. We had 16 guys go D1 Power 5 that year. And so... Um, everybody else signed at 1 o'clock, and I was just sitting there, and I was just lost. I didn't know what I wanted to do, honestly. Just talking to Coach Pruitt, you know, he they were actually him and Coach Saban were going to come down to my junior college that day. And so he was just like, he stepped out of the office. He was just like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I'm going to do my job as a coach and recruit you. He was like, but as a mentor in your life, don't come here for me. Go somewhere where you're going to be happy. You have friends. It's going to mean something to you. Because that was another thing at Georgia – when I was there, we played against Georgia Tech and Auburn. In those games, they really weren't like rivalry games for me. I, I felt for them because, you know, my teammates and my friends, you know, they all wanted to win. So, and you know, I enjoyed winning. Yeah. But it didn't mean much to me. So, and it, the reason I chose the junior, co junior college I did because I wanted to beat the team on top, which was East Mississippi, which we did. So, I just kind of felt mm -hmm. like I wanted to beat Alabama as well rather than just go join them. And so, you know, unfortunately, we didn't, we didn't accomplish that, but – I had a really great two years at Mississippi State with some great guys. You know, we had some really great teammates. You know, we were really all really close. We hung out from position. Like, it didn't matter what position. I hung out with O-linemen, quarterback, receivers. Like, it just wasn't clicked up. Like, it was an entire family. Well, you guys had a family. I had the best defense in college football this Number last year. One. We're going to see a bunch of your teammates. There you go. We're going to see a bunch of your teammates. It's going to be reflected on draft. We're going to see all, all your teammates get picked so my question is and i know it's it's a collection of leaders with your group there but at the end of the day who was the leader 
of the Mississippi State defense? Me. Because, I mean, you got guys like Jeff. I mean, Jeff and Sweat, you know, they are really great guys. You know, we had a captain on defense, Gary Green, you know, really great guy, hardworking guy. But ultimately, when it boiled down, you know, and those guys needed somebody to make a play or to get everybody going, they always turned to me. Because, like, Sweat, he doesn't really talk much. Jeff, he talks, but he's more of a, he, he's more of a worker, you know. He's more of I'm going to lead by mm -hmm. an example. You know, and I was as well, but, you know, they knew I would say something. You're also somebody that just – one of the reasons I fell in love watching you play, not only because you're playing 100 miles an hour, you see the big hits, you see the splash plays, uh, but you just see the energy, the energy that you bring. You oh, know, yeah. After plays are over, uh, you, you just look like you're having so much fun out there. And, and from, from where I kind of started in, in the scouting world, starting with the Baltimore Ravens, and you see Ray Lewis and you, you see an Ed Reed and Terrell Suggs, like those guys are not only great players, but they really bring a lot of energy and life. Uh, has that always been a big part of your game, John? Yes. Like you just you just bounce around having a good time out there, man. Yes, I mean you gotta have fun. I mean, I enjoy what I do. I put a lot of hard work in. So I mean, when I get to go out there on Saturdays or Sundays, whenever we do play, I'm gonna have fun doing it. That's one thing. You gotta have fun. Too many guys treat it like right, like a job, and they don't have enough fun. You know, that's when they become miserable. You know, that's when all those things account. You know, they. The body get a little bit sore, but they it's not really the body is more sore. It's just the fact that you notice it more because it's just like, damn, I got to go in today. Versus <laughs> having fun. Like, hey, I get to go in. We finna go practice. Like, that's just me every single day. All right. This one uh, personal for mm -hmm. me because I see you do so many different things. I can see you make plays on the ball. I can see you blitz. Um, I can see you, you know, make a, a tackle in space or a big hit. It, what is your favorite aspect of the game like of all those things you could do interception sack big hit uh what is it to you that stands out that's your favorite that, that uh, gets your juices going more than anything else it's not even the fact of a tackle or it's the fact that you have someone's number one guy because that was pretty much what coach soup done a great job of this year the one, number one guys if he was a slot tight end running back they always matched me up on him just to see your number one guy go out there and be so flustered and frustrated because he can't do what he's doing to everybody else. <laughs> like, he's just – he don't know how to respond. Like, some guys talk crazy. Some guys be ready to fight. Some guys just go in the tank. But that right there, I think, is that's my favorite part, just completely taking your number one guy and just, and just dominating him. Well, I like to hear that. That's music to my ears uh, right there. I, I won't ask you which team you want to go to. I'm not going to put you on the spot there. But is there a player in the NFL that either you're looking forward to potentially playing with on the defensive yes. side of the ball or somebody on the other side of the ball you can't wait to compete against? Um, there's a bunch of guys I can't wait to compete against, but there's, one, there's a few guys that I would love to play with, but I would love to play with the Honey Badger. Oh, my gosh. Oh, okay. I just feel there like I go. could why? learn give, so give much from why him. Would, why would you want to play with him? Because I could learn so much from him. You know, because everybody raves about my versatility. But there's no one more versatile than Tyran Matthew. Like, no one. Like, mm -hmm. the, the guy played corner, nickel, free, strong, nickel, linebacker. <laughs> like, he done it all. He blitzed. He played, man. He played the post. He played down in the box. Like, there's nothing that he didn't do last year. Like, I saw this one, one tweet about the number of snaps he played at different positions. And it was just absurd. I was like, wow. Because I really felt like, and then just watching the wow. film, I felt like he he had a Pro Bowl, All-Pro season. 
Well, no doubt. And I'm looking at your game and I'm, I'm listening to you talk and I'm saying I've seen you move around and do different things too. I mean, is that something you'd like to do? You like to be yes. able to be kind of that Swiss Army knife and, and yes. game to game, move around wherever they need you? I like what you just said. Most people don't know what you just said. That Swiss Army knife? Yes. That's an old school <laughs> comparison. That. I know you can do that. Yes, that's an old school uh, comparison. I th- all right, well, for, well, finally, accept my apology for not being there in I person. Uh, but I do, I do want you to know uh, you're still my guy, and we are just a couple weeks away. And uh, I, I literally could not be more excited for you. I can't wait to see where you land. And more than anything else, I can't wait to watch you compete in the NFL next year, man. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me today, though, as well. All right, Buck. I mean, you got a chance to visit with him when he was here. I mean, he's just energy. You're around Jonathan Abram. You, you feel his energy. Uh, you absolutely feel his energy. You know that he is a guy that is about his business. He wants to play well. He wants to be known for being a great player. He is an enforcer in between the hashes. And even in today's game, you have to have someone that can make wide receivers pay taxes when they cross the middle of the field. He certainly can do that. Yeah, I mean, he's. I was talking to somebody with the team the other day and said, man, he's like, He's Rodney Harrison without any of the extra stuff. So it's funny because that's what I've compared him to. I, yeah. I talked to William McGinnis, and I was like, look, the guy kind of reminds me of Rodney Harrison in his prime. Just a physical dude who's going to do it the right way. He's going to be punishing. A uh, lot to like about Can him. Can you imagine – I was trying to think of a similar scenario. Um, but if you're the Chargers and you paired up him with Derwin James. Oh, my goodness. Lights out. I mean, both guys run the 4 fours. Both big, strong, physical. Both have bring tons of passion and energy. I mean, I as somebody who calls the Charger games, I would enjoy watching those two guys buzz around the field and just smack people all day. I'm long. sure you would enjoy seeing that happen. You know, it's, it's tough. I think they can both play high. Oh, I, I, I think, think they can so. both survive high. Interchangeable. And, and then you and don't know when they, but those guys as blitzers. Woo. Interchangeable. And some of the stuff that they were doing. Um, Last year with all the DBs on the field. Oh, yeah. Man, he gives you another guy. He can guy drop down and do that. He could play in the box easy. Uh, I, I don't know. That was just kind of one of those selfish things. Like, I could see that. Um, I would keep an eye on team. I'd keep an eye on with him, Buck. I would keep an eye on the Dallas Cowboys, who do not currently own a first-round pick. Oh, yeah? Just saying. Yeah, you think you think they get in the mix? Just saying. You think they're a team that can get in the mix and maybe do some of that stuff? I'm not saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> Saying, don't rule that one out. You're saying a lot. Uh, saying a lot. Saying a little, saying a lot. Uh, Dallas Cowboys right now at safety is Xavier Woods, Jeff Heath. Just saying. Keep an eye on the Dallas Cowboys. We've seen it in the past. They like a guy. Go get him. Go get him. Um, all right. That's. Uh, I think that's all we got today. We need to tell everybody about the 360 series, though. They can check that out. We've had, gosh, who have we talked to, Buck? The Ohio State guys. Talked to Ohio State guys. We talked to Dwayne Haskins. Did 360 on him. Came Did a 360 on Nick Bosa. Then we just finished the 360 on Daniel Jones. Yep. And then we have some others in the hopper we're working on coming to completion with the Clemson D-line. That's going to be an exciting one to talk about. Yeah, talking about all those guys on that Clemson D-line. And then we'll finish it up with the Kyler Murray 360 Series uh, podcast. So be on the lookout for that. That's going to do it for us today. Remember, you can check out all of our videos, nfl.com slash mtsvideo, youtube.com slash nfl. Thank you for downloading the podcast. I'm sure you know where to find it if you're listening to it. Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcast app. We'll see you next time right here on Move the Sticks. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling 
tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.